Hydriva mofos, you're probably aware that I've been working flat out on our social media presence to try to expand our community of Driva mofos globally. I've been posting tons of free content to keep you inspired, driven, and working towards your goals. So if you haven't already followed and subscribed to all my social media channels, please make sure you do so as I post different content on different platforms. The links are available in the description of this podcast down below. So most people know that business is tough, but being a business owner and having a relationship that works is even tougher. And then if you're going to throw kids on top of that, it can be even more chaotic. And a lot of business owners feel like they're trapped between the idea of having a good marriage, looking after their family, but also having a successful business. And it can create a lot of chaos in a business owner's life. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where we talk about how to get the best out of yourself and how to build a life that you can't wait to get out of bed and live each day. This podcast is my attempt at documenting my journey, sharing my insights and what I've learned from being the private mindset and mental performance coach to some of the country's top athletes, rich listers, entrepreneurs, and running events for tens of thousands of people on how to better themselves and those around them. This is for those driven to achieve more in life, but are often underestimated by those around them. This podcast is my attempt at helping you prove your doubters wrong. Please enjoy. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about what I've found that works in order to have a business, a marriage, or a relationship, and a family, and have them all working together in harmony versus having to compartmentalize those areas of life There are a lot of people out there who come to our events and they say, I really want to grow my business, but if I do that, my partner's going to be pissed off. Or if I do that, I feel guilty because I'm not spending enough time with the kids. So I want to talk about it in this episode so that you can create a life that works together in a symbiotic way versus having a life where it's compartmentalized and it's blocked. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute and also Mojo Business Multiplier. So let's talk about a relationship, business, and also family. Now, first of all, before we get into it, I just want to clarify, I don't have kids. That's one of the things that I don't have to throw into this mix. Now, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're wanting to build a business or you are growing a business and you've got a relationship or an intimate relationship and you're married or you've been together with a person for a while and you know that this is the person that you want to spend more time with and that you're hopefully going to build a life with and then you're going to throw kids on top of that, life can become pretty chaotic and I've had to work with a lot of people in this space. So even though I'm not qualified in a way based on experience to tell you how to bring all those things together and include kids in that area, I have worked with many, many, many business owners, many, many people who are about to go through a divorce with kids and having a business. And I've also been now in my relationship with Jess for 13, going on 14 years in a couple of months and what's worked for us, what hasn't worked for us, And I just really want to give a really good insight into this because I just think that most people set themselves up for absolute destruction mentally and emotionally. And there are a lot of business owners out there and even people who are married or in a relationship with someone who's entrepreneurial or someone who's got a business and they feel like they're not getting their needs met or that things aren't working well. And so it can create a lot of pressure, especially in this age or this day and age of fantasies and delusions that most people have based on Instagram and Facebook and seeing all this great stuff that everyone else is doing, which then make other people feel insecure. So let's talk about it. So first of all, let's break this down to the most common factors of human behavior. What I've found that works really, really well, and it has probably made me one of the world's or at least the country's top mental performance coaches that has been able to work with rich listers. And I get caught into situations where you know people are going to lose a lot of money or they're going through court cases or all of this sort of stuff to work on people's mental performance and keep their mental stability. Now, what I've seen is that when you break down human behavior, it can be really, really simple if you want it to be. So the way that I look at human behavior is essentially you've got an individual where they are today, you have their past, now you also have their future. They've got future goals, they've got future dreams, and they also have an obstacle or a roadblock or a few that are getting in the way from them achieving those things. So that's the most fundamental factor. Now, let's have a look at that from a point of view of a relationship and a family and a business. So there are a lot of people out there who are listening to this who want to grow a business, but at the same time, the barrier and the obstacle that they have is their family and their intimate relationship. Although you might not want to tell your partner that because they will probably kill you in your sleep. So you don't want to say that to them, but that's probably what's going on, right? That you want to grow your business, but you also don't want to lose your family. You don't want to create chaos at home in your intimate relationship because you know that it's going to put a lot of pressure on your partner. They're going to wig out or freak out, and this is just going to create chaos and carnage. So you're probably going to subordinate your values a little bit. 
You're probably not gonna match your own expectations that you have for how hard you work in the business. And so now you're gonna create a mental clusterfuck in your own brain where you feel like you're not committed to your business as much as what you really want. But at the same time, if you commit to your business as much as what you want, then you'll probably feel like you're not committed to your relationship or your family as much as what you want. So you're in a bind. So that becomes a huge barrier and a huge obstacle. So that's number one, step number one. Then I look and I start breaking down how people operate when they work together as a business in a leadership group or in a management group and so on. So what we have to understand is that humans essentially filter their whole reality through their values. And so this is why values are so important. And I find that probably 99.999% of people who come to one of my events like Thrive Time or our Business Growth Odyssey, and they say, I know my values, I'm clear with what I want. Most of the time their values are incorrect. They're in the incorrect order and also they are normally not their values, they're someone else's that has been implanted in them, which then creates self-sabotage patterns, which creates self-destructive behaviors, which create mental chaos, which make people feel guilty, make people feel ashamed, make people feel like they're not good enough, and make people feel like they can't achieve what they want in life. So most people get them wrong in the first place. And now I've done plenty of episodes talking about values, you can go back and deconstruct it all, you can listen to all the episodes and you can pick up bits and pieces and you can try and implement that to get clear in your values. Or my recommendation is come to our Thrive Time event because it'll probably change your life and get you clear with what you wanna do and build your success map for life. You've got somebody here, they've got their values. So let's just say it's the business owner. They have their values. Now, if they're running a business, they probably have, and if they're doing reasonably well and they're making money, they probably have a reasonably high value, top three or four, maybe, maybe five of business. The business owners that are really successful make a lot of good money. They normally have a top three value of business or wealth creation or financial structure or investing or something along those lines where they are very, very good at building businesses. So they might have that as a high value. Now they probably also have a value in their top five of family or an intimate relationship or connection or friendship or something like that. So now they meet a person, they connect with them and they start building this relationship. And so now they're in an intimate relationship with this person. They might be married, they might not be married, but that person has their own set of values. Now I'm just gonna use a really generic example because it's an example that most of society know, although there are probably some political correct people out there that'll get really offended with me using this example because it is very typical, but it doesn't mean that this is always the case. Now you've got one person who's more masculine and one person who's more feminine inside any relationship. Now that switches. I know I'm normally fairly masculine in my natural state, now, when we talk about masculine and feminine, we're essentially talking about a philosophical construct. This is something that is not a scientific terminology that is objective, I guess you could say, like other sciences, like physics, where you can actually go out there and there's a very clear point of this is masculine and this is feminine. So this is just a philosophical construct. But normally masculine energy, if you look at Chinese philosophy, says that masculine energy is wood energy and it's fire energy. Fire energy tends to be more heated, it tends to be more explosive. It tends to rage quickly and then die down quickly. It also tends to be what they call wood energy, which if you imagine a tree, it's very, very hard to move. It's grounded, it's a lot more stable. And then you've got feminine energy, which they call earth energy and water energy. Water energy flows, so it's a lot more flowy. It can just move in and out of things. It can do something now and then it can change and then it can go back to doing something. Whereas masculine energy tends not to do that. It tends to be very structured and very rigid. Feminine energy is a lot more cooler because it's a water energy. So you've got to remember that water cools down fire. So it's calm, it's a lot more relaxed. It will tend to be an earth energy, which means that it can be radiant and beautiful one day, just like when you wake up in the morning, the sun's out. And then the next day it can have hurricane and gale force winds and they could last a couple of days. So depending on a female's hormonal cycle, like if we're using male and female, which by the way, we're both but I'm just using this as a generalization. If a female is going through her menstrual cycle and you know through a period or whatever, sometimes that can create hormonal instability. That hormonal instability can create a little bit of emotional instability, and then that can come out and it can last a couple of days. Now, that's not always the case. Again, this is a generalization that I'm talking about, so please don't write me death threats. Don't say you're a fucking bigot and all that sort of shit that people throw on people these days. If that is you and you're getting all offended by this, my recommendation is go and have a look in the mirror and figure out what you've got to work through and deal with it. Some people won't like to hear that, but that's all okay. I'm assuming that there's a whole bunch of victim groups that you can go and join and be part of and you can play that whole thing of that fucking everyone else in society is mental and you're not. All I'm doing is I'm trying to generalize this so that we can create a bit of a construct that helps you to understand things. If you've listened to other episodes, you'll hear me say things like labels are there to understand. They are not there to define. 
So even though I understand myself as being more of a masculine type personality, I also have a feminine part of myself as well that I also express when I'm in healing and nurturing and all that sort of stuff. So if I work really, really hard for the week, I go back into my feminine on the weekends where I'll be a bit more relaxed, a bit more chilled out. I'll be a bit more in flow. I'll be a lot more present. I might be a bit more in touch with my feelings and not just very, got to get this done, got to get that done, got to get this done. And so both males and females have both sides. I guess you could say there is extremes on both ends and then there's everything between, so it's a scale. There are guys that I know who are a lot more masculine in their natural persona than what I am. And there are guys that I know who are more feminine in their persona than what I am. Then there are females that I know who are almost as masculine as I am, and some of them maybe even more. And then there are some females that are very feminine in their persona, and everyone's in between. So it's just a scale, and it's relative, and all this sort of stuff. Again, it's philosophy. It's a philosophical construct. But why this is important, because if you understand that that's what's going on in an intimate relationship, just like anything in life, a positive attracts a negative in order to stabilize. And if you've been to any of my events, or you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, you'll know that stability is the natural form that everything tries to go back to. So it goes back to its most stable form. Now, if everything's trying to stabilize, and the goal of an intimate relationship is to create stability. And it creates stability because when one person is extremely elated and excited and they're going to do something stupid, the other person will tend to be more negative and pessimistic and bring the other person down in order to create stability in that relationship. Now, normally what I hear is someone comes to one of my events like Thrive Time or something, and they'll say something along the lines of like, you know, I just don't think my partner's right for me because, you know, I'm positive and I'm trying to achieve all this great stuff and I want to do this and my partner is always bringing me down and they're negative and they're looking at all this shit. And what I show them is that their partner is trying to keep them in balance because if you're always optimistic, you don't look at the downsides. If you're ignorant to the downsides, you will fuck up and you will make big mistakes. Your partner is just showing you the shit that you're choosing not to look at. That's how relationships work. That's also how businesses work. If you've got a whole team of positive people who are just always, oh, everything will work out, we'll just do this, it'll work out well, you're either gonna make a lot of big mistakes and it's gonna really hurt the growth of the business or you're gonna be the person that goes, well, hang on, motherfucker, what about this? What about this? What about this? What's gonna go wrong here? And so you start to pick all the faults because they're not looking. Just like the other way around, if your partner is down and they're depressed and they're feeling shit, you'll tend to come in and pick them up and go, hey, it's not that bad. Look, how about we do this? How about because you're naturally lifting them up when they're down below the average line. The sooner that I realize that an intimate relationship is about creating stability and about creating balance, because that's where optimum growth happens, then an intimate relationship, the purpose of an intimate relationship is to grow. The same as the purpose of a family dynamic is to create optimal growth. And for anyone who's listening who has children, you'll know that your children bring out the best in you and they inspire you to be better but they also bring out the worst in you and all the patterns that you haven't dealt with and they put them right in front of your face for you to acknowledge. Like if you have anger issues and you find yourself snapping at your kids, you'll go to bed at nighttime and go, fuck, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel bad about this? Why am I angry all the time? And they're bringing up shit that you just haven't dealt with and haven't looked at. Because the purpose of a family dynamic is to grow, just like everything in nature is to grow or it's to die. Hollywood has created this delusion about what relationships are. Hollywood fucked it up for everybody because Hollywood has created this amazing dynamic of passion. Now, if we look at the word passion, the etymology or the history of the word means to suffer. The reason why things suffer when they're passionate is because passion is looking at the upsides without the downsides. So when you start dating someone, you're essentially dating their best because no one rocks up at a date in their most daggy, shitty clothes. Like you don't rock up wearing a tracksuit and like you've just got out of bed in the morning on a Sunday and you're half hung over and you've just been eating shit all week and you've got bad gas, and your breath fucking stinks, and you haven't done your hair, that really doesn't work on a date. You go home, you get cleaned up, you brush your teeth, you know, you scrub your ass, you do everything in order to make sure that you're showing your best. When you rock up there, you smile, you're friendly, even if you've had the shittiest day, you don't really talk about it too much because you know that it's going to repulse that person. And so you show your best side. That creates passion. So when you look at that other person, and this is normally what happens when you start dating someone, you go, wow, they're amazing. They're great and you tell all your friends that they're fucking amazing. Then when you move in with them, you start realizing that there's a whole other side of them. The more you hang out with them, the more you realize that they have their other side. 
That's because it's creating balance and it's creating stability and you get to see the person for who they really are, not who you fantasize they are. Now the problem with this is right, is that Hollywood has created this fantasy of passion in a relationship. So these two people that have been in love, they then end up getting pulled away from each other due to what reasons they fall in love with somebody else, but they still think about the other person, they wish they had them. And then eventually they get back together at the end of the movie and everything works well and they live this beautiful, happy life and then they have kids and it's fucking amazing. Life doesn't work like that. That's not a real relationship. That's a fantasy. Now it's easy for Hollywood to sell a fantasy because that's what people want because most people are fucking delusional. The same as business. When people say, I want to start a business so I can do what I want, when I want, and how I want, the reason why that sells is because most people are fucking delusional. The reason why people go out and they buy big houses that they can't afford with cars that they can't afford and live a lifestyle they can't afford is because they keep looking at people on Instagram and in society and going, shit, I don't have all that. They look like they're happy, I'm unhappy. I need to buy all this shit in order to be happy. Why does that work? Because banks lend us money to be able to do that, but it's fucking delusional and it normally ends up in chaos and carnage, especially when interest rates go up. We're seeing this start to happen now. But my point is that this happens in an intimate relationship. Over time, people end up dating. They find this person who's amazing. They start realizing that this person has a whole nother side. Then they start doubting their relationship. They go, oh, I don't think this person's right for me. You know, they just don't lick my ass all the time. They don't support me in all my stupid shit. Like I go out drinking with the boys on the weekend. I get home late. I tell them that I'm going to be home at four o'clock in the afternoon. I get home at three o'clock in the morning. They're pissed off when, you know, they should just support me in all the dumb shit that I do. Now that's really what they're saying when I've got some of my friends who are like that. And they're like, you know, she just gives me shit all the time. She's always on my back. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you're a fucking idiot and you do dumb shit all the time. Of course they're going to be. You know, you've just gone out and you bought a car that you can't afford. Of course, she's going to grill you on that shit so that you don't do it again. It's stupid. She's trying to show you the downside to what is going on. Then there are other people, and this isn't just men. This is also women do this stuff as well, where a female go, you know, I'm sick of it. They work all the time. They don't give a shit about the family. They expect me to do everything. I get home from my hard day and I look after the family and they're still working. And then they come home at eight o'clock at night and they just put their feet up on the couch. And I'm like, well, hang on. What time did they start? And they go, well, five o'clock in the morning. I go, what time did you get out of bed? And they go, well, when the kids woke up at seven. And I go, okay, so you started at seven, they started at five. What time did you knock off work? Well, I knocked off at five. And then what? You went home and you cooked dinner and all that sort of stuff. But then he got home at eight o'clock at night. He's exhausted. He's fucked. He wants to spend a little bit of time with you, a little bit of time with the kids. But you're grilling him and telling him, you know, you're never home. You don't give a shit about us. You know, you say that you've had to do the dishes and he doesn't fucking care and he hasn't done the dishes. This is just going to be a highly toxic environment. When you learn how to appreciate the other person and when they go home, you go, hey, thank you for working so hard. I really appreciate it. And they go, hey, thanks for looking after the kids. Thanks for doing the dishes. I really do appreciate it. We're working hard together to move forward in life. That is when you win the relationship in the family game is when appreciation comes over the top of expectation. The problem is though that most people expect the other person to do what they do. And this is where equality fucked up. And I've been speaking about this for about 10 years. The word equality means same. And the problem with the equality movement is it originally started because if we go back to the feminism movement, you essentially have women who were being suppressed who weren't given opportunities. So then there's this movement who say, hang on, we're not being treated in a fair manner based on the skill set we have. Like if I can do the same job as a man, I should be able to go for that same job. Now, I think that is completely 100% reasonable and intelligent and all that stuff. But then what's happened is over time, we've stopped that communication in a common sense way. And we've swung past the middle point on the balance and we've gone so far the other way, it is ridiculous. And so now this has created again, these huge separations, these whole polarities. You're starting to see men's groups popped up because men are sick of being told that they're worthless and that they're a piece of shit. And that you know now if you're part of the police force or the military or stuff like that, there is different criteria if you're a male or a female, and it's easier for women to do shit than it is for men, and so on, because of these criteria. You can have women's only gyms, but you can't have men's only gyms. And so men get fed up, and so now they've created this movement of masculinity, which we're seeing starting to pop up in society, where men are angry and they're frustrated because they're not getting the same opportunities that other people are getting because of essentially their genitals. That's essentially what we're judging people on these days in our society still is people's genitals. Okay, because when we're talking about women and men, we're essentially talking about genitals, right? So this is the stupidity of it when you break it down to this. But what's happening is that with the equality movement, we've said that two people essentially in a relationship are the same and they're not. You have two people with different polarities who need to work together in order to benefit each other. And so when you've got a male and a female, or if you're in a heterosexual relationship, if you're in a homosexual relationship, or any other type of relationship that's happening, it doesn't really matter what it is. 
there will still be one person who's more feminine and one person who's more masculine based on that philosophical construct. Now, if you have two people in a relationship and they're both creating comparatives, well, I did the dishes and then they say, yeah, but I'm working harder and I earn more money. And then they go, well, you shouldn't spend the hard work. And then the other person says, well, you shouldn't be able to see the kids as much as what I do. This is toing and froing. This is toxic. This creates a lot of problems. And this is where couples go wrong in a relationship instead of sitting down and communicating effectively. And also, instead of creating fair and realistic expectations. So this is normally where I have to come into a relationship and deal with things like divorce, where just before a couple were about to get divorced, they might call me up and say, look, we need you to come and help us because they both realize that they both have a lot to lose. And let's just say that you have half a million dollars of net worth. When you go through a divorce, whether you like it or not, lawyers are gonna take part of that. There's gonna be frustrations that come up. There is gonna be resentments. There's gonna be aggression. Like by the time someone gets divorced, they're normally resentful or there's something that's gone on in that relationship. You normally have two people who justify their position and both think they're right. And so there's gonna be fucking problems. Not the best way of ending a relationship in most cases. But also, most of the time, most people don't need to end the relationship. They're just not appreciating each other. And they're not dealing with their emotional crap that's been built up over the years through the implanted values of the other person, through the unrealistic expectations that keep getting created based on fantasies like fucking Hollywood or like Instagram. Couples now are basing whether they're in a good relationship or they've got a good family based on what they see in either Hollywood or based on their fantasies that they've seen, you know, on Instagram and all this stuff. And so then they create these comparisons. When you do that, you start to then create this lack of appreciation towards the other person. Now, any relationship is not going to grow when you don't appreciate them for what they bring to the table. Or if they're not bringing something that's of value to the table, then having an effective communication and giving the opportunity to step up and to change, but based on their values, not based on your implanted values. So let me give an example. I'm just gonna use males, females, because it's easy to understand, but I want you to take away the masculine aspect from the male and the feminine aspect from the female, because there is more people in our society that express feminine energy if they're female, and normally masculine energy is more male-orientated. But again, like I said, it switches and changes. Like Jess, right now, she's in her office working flat out. When I walked in there about 15 minutes ago, she was like, what do you want? I've gotta get this shit done, I have to do this. This has to be completed by the end of the day. That was a very masculine energy. Now, at the end of the day, that's not normally how we finish up when we connect as a couple. Jess will normally go back to being more feminine. I normally calm down a little bit more in my masculine energy as well. And we'll sit there and communicate and talk about our day and talk about problems. And I also have learned how to communicate with someone who's more feminine in their energy. And Jess has learned to communicate with someone who's more masculine in the energy because we've both grown to make the relationship work. Now, when I hear people just spray their partner and implant values like you shouldn't be working as much, you shouldn't put as much energy into the kids, you shouldn't be spending all this money, and you're creating all these shoulds, you are implanting your values onto them. Then you're expecting them to live in your expectations that are unrealistic because you're expecting them to live in your values. And in most cases, most individuals haven't even fucking figured out how to live their own life effectively and how to navigate their own thoughts, yet now they're telling other people how they should live, how they should behave, how they should do things, and how they should live in your values, which is normally unclear. So that's not gonna work long-term. And it reduces that appreciation, which essentially means that the relationship is gonna get worse before it gets better. So here's how we navigate it. The first thing that I always recommend when I'm working with a couple is you need to both sit down and get really clear with your values. And this is why Thrive Time is one of the greatest events on the planet, because once you can get clear with that and start to map out your own success maps, and by the way, we've had couples come. I've had plenty of people who come to Thrive Time as an individual. They will come because they wanna grow, they wanna learn, and so on. Now, two years later, the partner is normally sitting in the event. Now I tell people, don't get your partner to change. It is a bad idea to tell your partner, you should do Thrive Time because you need to change. When you do that, again, lack of appreciation. Leave the event, show them how much you've grown, be the best that you can be, let them ask questions, and they will see it and be inspired and they will want to change. And so two years later, the partner comes. Then now you both understand values, you both understand each other's mission, your purpose in life, you understand how to navigate your emotions and create more mental and emotional stability through the processes that we teach, like the POP process. You understand about self-sabotage, you understand your triggers and all of those sort of things. So now the relationship becomes more effective. Now you've got two people who are on the same team working towards each other's mission, purpose and values, and you're both pushing hard in the right direction to help each other to grow at maximal impact. That's the best way of operating. Most people will not do that. Sometimes we get couples who come along. We just had two couples who came to our, actually three couples 
who came to the most recent Thrive Time. They did it together. Normally at the event, I separate them so they work by themselves because I don't like couples sitting together because then they point out each other's shit when I talk about stuff. So I'd rather them not do that and focus on themselves and being the best they can be and then bringing that knowledge back into the relationship. But the first thing that you wanna do is to get clear on each other's values. Like I know that Jess's highest value is creative and creative expression. Therefore, if she's working in this business and she consistently feels that she can't creatively express herself, she will start to shut down. She'll become more emotional. She'll become more stressed out. She'll become more frustrated. She'll feel more trapped. And those emotional volatilities will turn into volatile actions and behaviors. Okay, so she won't create good habits for herself. Jess knows that my highest value is teaching, learning, and coaching. And then my second highest value is connecting with people. So quite often, I will go out for dinner and I'll say to Jess, look, I'm going out for dinner. It's a 6.30 dinner. Very rarely does she ask me what time I'll be home. She's like, okay, cool, have a good time. Because what she knows is that normally, if I'm connecting with people, I might be home at 8 o'clock and 8.30 because I'm thinking about my health and I'm thinking about getting good sleep or I've got heaps of stuff on tomorrow. But then there's other times where I'm just caught in the moment and I'm connecting with people and I'm really enjoying it. And I'll look at my clock and I go, shit, it's 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. And then you know, I'll head home. Sometimes I go out on Saturday nights with some friends and I don't get home till three or four o'clock in the morning. The only thing that Jess will send me is she'll send me a message and just go, hope you're having a good night just to let you know either the alarm's on downstairs or you know I've left some food in the fridge if you haven't eaten or something like that. That's the only message I get from her. She doesn't bust my balls because she knows it's within my value structure. Whereas I have friends of mine who go out and they're like, oh shit, it's eight o'clock. I told the missus that I'll be home by 7.30. And then now they're getting 15 phone calls they're, where the fuck are you? I can't believe that you're out. You know, that's not going to be a good relationship. Like if you want to talk about that pattern of behavior, you do it the following day or a couple of days later and you go, hey, look, I know you went out on Friday night and you said you're going to be home at seven o'clock. Like, how do we navigate this? Like, is this in your values or, you know, could you just let me know? Like, if you're going to be late, just let me know. Or if not, you know, just say I'll be home at nine o'clock, even if you're expecting to be home at eight, because then that way I don't worry about you. And that way you become both understood and you both start to create boundaries and you both communicate what's important to you both. I don't want Jess to sit home at nighttime and worry about me and go, oh, what if he's dead and create all these crazy scenarios. Most of the time when that happens in a relationship, it's just a person's insecurities come out. Jess goes out sometimes and she'll just go, hey, I'm going out for lunch. And she might not come home till six or seven o'clock at night. And I know that she's with friends or whatever. I'm completely fine with it. Whatever she does, she's an adult. That's the way that I operate, you know, in my life. Whereas I have some friends of mine who their wife goes out and if they're not home in two to three hours, they start like, are you cheating on me? I can't fucking believe this. All that's going to do is just be so destructive in that relationship. If you're that insecure, that your self-worth and your value as a person is based on another person and whether they're cheating or not or whatever, then that says more about you as an individual and your own insecurities. If you realize in an intimate relationship that you're the prize, just like they're the prize, then it is what it is. Like if this person's not going to treat you with respect and treat you with kindness and all that sort of stuff, that's cool because there's someone else out there who's probably looking for exactly what you've got. So be the best you can be. Be the best person. Look after your body, look after your health, look after your mindset, look after your relationships, look after your friendships. Then now, if you go back to market, why wouldn't someone else want to buy what you're giving? Whereas if you treat your body like shit, you treat your mind like shit, obviously you're going to be insecure and you're going to push those insecurities onto your partner in order to keep them as much as you can and stop them from ever expressing anything else to any other person of the you know sex that they're attracted to because you're so insecure, because you treat yourself like shit and your life is like shit, you're afraid of losing them because essentially you're losing something that is the prize in your own life. Be the prize. Be the most valuable asset that you own. Have the best mindset that you can. Be intelligent. Look after your body. Be a great person. Communicate effectively. Have good friendships. Generate your own wealth or look after your own wealth or whatever it is. Even as a couple, like Jess and I both work together on our finances. We work together on our health. We work together on being the best individuals that we can be. My job is to help Jess to be the best that she can be. And I hope that her job is to do the same for me. That's, I think, an effective relationship. Quickly, if you're a business owner in Australia that makes over 300K per year and you're wanting to grow to $10 million or you're frustrated that your business still heavily relies upon you to get stuff done effectively and efficiently, then message me or my team on social media to find out more about my 12-month business implementation and growth mastermind called Business Growth Odyssey. We currently only intake 
10 business owners each month into the program, and there are still some places open for this month's intake. Our goal is to help you to create more operational freedom in your business so that the business doesn't rely on you as the owner. We help you to implement processes, systems, management, hiring, and all the other things like sales, marketing, and so on to help you to scale your business without the usual levels of extreme anxiety, stress, pressure, overwhelm, etc. that most business owners face when they scale their business between 300K and $10 million. Plus, the best thing is you attend live business growth events each quarter, have weekly accountabilities, and join an amazing network of driven business owners who do not accept mediocrity in life or business. So message me or reach out to my team to find out more and set up a call. But in saying that as well, we don't have a Hollywood relationship. We argue consistently. She's the CEO of the company and I'm the head director. So I'm the managing director of the company. She does shit all the time that pisses me off and we argue about it. But what it does is it teaches us to communicate more effectively. These days we tend to have more effective communication, whereas in the past we had more volatile communication. Now we can sit down and if we're pissed off, we'll go, hey, look, you know, I think we need to talk about this. Like, here's my perspective. What's your thoughts? And if the other person starts flaring up, normally we'll stop the conversation. We go, look, I don't think this is the right time to talk about it. Let's come back to this conversation tomorrow because I don't think that it's going to be effective. Whereas before we would just yell at each other. And I think a lot of people go through this as well. Or one of us will shut down. One of us will walk away. None of that stuff is good communication. So an intimate relationship teaches you to communicate more effectively as well. So the first thing is, You look at the other person's values, you get their values and you write down a hundred reasons. And I talk about this in an event that we have called Triumph. That's an event that unlocks to the community after you've done Thrive Time. Now that's a leadership event. It's a leadership and communication event and negotiation and so on. But what it does is it helps you to become a master communicator and a master at leadership and management and all this stuff. Because even if you're a parent, you're managing your kids, you're leading your kids. If you're in an intimate relationship, you're managing and leading the relationship in some way, shape or form. You've got to know how to communicate effectively, negotiate effectively, understand each other's values and so on. But what we do in that event is I will show you how to link values to the other person so that you both understand each other effectively. What Jess and I have done in the past is we'll grab each other's highest values and we link them to each other. So I know that Jess's highest value of creativity massively helps me and serves my highest value of teaching, learning, and coaching. And by having someone who is more feminine in their natural nature, who is more in flow, who keeps me more calm, who makes me enjoy life a lot more and is more fun and is more spontaneous as someone who's feminine, but also as someone who has a high value of creativity, we'll be able to have in-depth conversations. She will bring up key points of view that I don't see. But then also as my highest value of teaching, I'm consistently teaching Jess, coaching her through things, helping her to communicate more effectively, helping her to manage herself and the team more effectively and so on. So we work together and we become better because of each other's value systems. So when you link your values, you actually work more effectively as a couple together in order to achieve great things. Instead of seeing their values as getting in the way. My third highest value is business and wealth creation. I like making money as in I like seeing new opportunities. I like selling stuff as in I like giving people the opportunity to buy products and services that I think are better than others that are on the market. And so I like doing that stuff. I like connecting with people and that's why I also like to sell as well because I think that I can help people with a product or a service and help them get better results in life. When I look at that, when we link our values, Jess has a high value on financial stability. So I'm good with making money, but Jess is very good at structuring money and making sure that money goes into the right places and into our investments and she watches them and structures them. Whereas I'm better off at looking at them, seeing opportunities, investing money in a certain way where I can generate more wealth. So we work together. Our finances are probably a hundred times better than they would have ever been if we didn't work together. So for someone like Jess, if it wasn't for me having someone like Jess who's more financially structured, I would make a lot of money but spend a lot of money on dumb shit. Apart from investments, I've always invested money. I tend to blow a lot of cash as well just on dumb shit like going out and partying and buying cars and all that. Whereas Jess is a lot more balanced about the way she spends money and a lot more structured. Whereas on the other hand, Jess came from a corporate background where she would make okay money but never great money. Now because of me, we make pretty good money in most years, most of the time. We work together, we both grow our values. So then after a while, once you've linked your values, you start to create greater appreciation for each other because you go, my life is better because they're in it than my life is worse off because they keep taking shit out of my life that is important to me. And this is where I see a lot of couples clash because let's come back to business ownership. Normally you have a business owner who starts a business in order to create a better life for themselves or their family, to create more opportunities, to be able to give their family more money, to be able to travel and have lifestyle experiences. But when we look at money, you don't just make money out of thin air. You normally create value in some way, shape or form. So for a lot of small business owners or scaling businesses, 
You've got to put in a lot of time, a lot of effort. I think it's a lot harder to grow an effective business than what most people think. So when someone sees a millionaire and they go, oh, that person's lucky, I can tell you right now, they've probably worked harder for longer than what most people can even comprehend. You will lose a lot of money on the journey to creating an effective business in most cases, unless the industry that you're in is rapidly expanding. Like at the start of the e-commerce era, there are a lot of people who went out there who just created e-commerce sites. Facebook ads were cheap. Marketing was really cheap. Most people went on socials and there are some people out there who blasted it and they made an absolute killing. If they try to do that today, it doesn't work as effectively because Facebook ads are more expensive and so on. There's a lot to navigate when you're a business owner. So you've got person A here who is trying to build a business to support their family, to give them more opportunities, to be able to have a better lifestyle, to have better holidays, better schooling and education. They get home at nighttime and they get blasted for working so much. And they think, well, fuck this person. I'm doing all this shit in order to help my family, but I'm underappreciated. They don't give a fuck. They don't see the struggles that I go through. And so now they're going to start to create resentment towards this other person because they're like, I work my ass off for this family and you treat me like shit. And all I'm asking for you is to do the washing, do the dishes and make sure at nighttime I can get home and rest for an hour or so before anything too deep happens because I'm fucked. My brain's fried. Now, on the other hand, let's say there's someone who is more family orientated. So they have a high value on family. So then now they look at the other person and they go, this asshole is working. All I want is a nice family where we can sit down and have a nice dinner. We can spend weekends together. You know, I've got an intimate partner where I can have these good conversations with. And now this prick is working until late at night. They leave early. I very rarely see them. I've got to look after the kids. The kids are going crazy. They're missing mum or dad who's always working. What a fucking asshole. I'm always doing the dishes. I'm always doing shit around the house. I'm always, you know, doing washing and all this sort of stuff. Then I've got to work my job as well. What an asshole. And then so the other person comes home and the other person goes, well, there's dishes on the side. My washing hasn't been done. What do you do all day? All you do is you sit around. And so they're completely disrespectful to the other person who has a high value of family. They don't see the conversations with the kids that have had to happen 15 times in the last hour because the kids are bashing each other, giving each other shit, one's in tears. All they get home and they see that the dishes haven't been done, the washing hasn't been done, and they feel like they've worked from 5 a.m. until 8 p.m. at night time. They get home, nothing's been done around the house, and this is bullshit. And so then now you've got complete disrespect for the other person who's been at home, making sure that the family is working, making sure the family is growing, making sure that the kids are healthy and looked after and that they get the emotional support that they need. This relationship is going to create a lot of chaos and carnage. So how do you move through that? First of all, you have to create an appreciation for the other person's values. My recommendation is to get along to Thrive Time, first of all, to understand your values. And then if you need to, go to Triumph or at least ask me at Thrive Time on how to link your values to your partner. Then that way you can create an appreciation for each other. Then you can work together. And when your partner's at work, you go, my partner's at work, providing for the family, making sure that our kids have a good education, making sure that we can go on holidays to nice locations and not just, you know, sleeping in a tent or in the back of the car. And, you know, in summer it's hot and all that sort of stuff. Now we can go and have a nice family holiday together and we can have two to three weeks a year where we spend time with the kids or we can have holidays, you know, we can have school holidays away and things like that. I really appreciate that they work so hard for this family. The other person gets home from work and goes, wow, the kids are all in bed. They're all snuggled up. I can go up there, give them a kiss, give them a hug, have a quick chat with them, make sure that they're all okay. Then I can go downstairs. I can put my feet up. I can eat my dinner as well. And I've got a partner who completely supports me, looks after me, make sure that I'm nourished. Make sure that the family's being operated well. Wow, I'm so lucky. When you start to do that and you start to appreciate the other person, everything changes in the relationship. But normally what happens is for most business owners, their partner has a fantasy around what a business is. You'll hear shit like you work too much, you work all the time, you're always thinking about business. That person does not appreciate that person's values at all. That's gonna create a lot of friction in the relationship. You're gonna have a person who is either emotionally shut down, a person who is disconnected, or a person who flies off the handle all the time. And I see this happen quite a lot. And they're flying off the handle because they feel disrespected and unappreciated. They're trying to do something that is almost impossible and that is to have a business that works. And way too many people think that business is just something that's easy, but I can guarantee right now, 56% of all businesses fail within four years. So if your partner has a business that's lasted longer than four years, they're a fucking magician. Therefore, treat them as such. If you have a partner who has a business and they have more than four staff, they are in a very small percentage of business owners. I think it's only like 13 or 14% of businesses nationwide that have more than four staff. They're a fucking magician. So if they've been around for more than four years and have more than four staff, 
They are doing a fantastic job. They're telling you that they're adaptable, reliable, resilient. They can deal with a lot of shit. They probably can deal with a lot of pressure. They're actually probably a really great, if you go back to tribal time, they're probably a great tribes person. They're probably a great tribal leader. They probably have a lot of great communication skills, a lot of great leadership skills. They probably do something really effective. And that is great to have that person in a family dynamic because should they be given the opportunity to thrive in that family dynamic, they'll probably be great for the whole family. Just like the person who supports that person is also great for that family dynamic. Now, going back to the whole equality thing, I've seen this absolute conundrum fuck up that happens in our society where people look at someone else and they go, we should be treated the same. Now, we're not the same. What am I, five foot 10 individual who I enjoy playing basketball at school. But here's the thing. I got shat all over in basketball by the kids that were six foot two, six foot three, six foot six, because genetically they were different. Now, I would walk into the gym and I would be able to bench press 120 to 140 to 160 kilograms at 70 to 80 kilograms body weight. And they would look at me and go, how the fuck does that guy do that? But when you look at me, I've got this nuggety chest. I've got thicker legs, thicker thighs, thicker chest. Why? Because I'm genetically gifted in that way. Now, all of us have genetic gifts based on our values, our purpose, our mission, and also our DNA. Also our epigenetics, the way we're brought up. No one is the same. No one looks the same unless you've got an identical twin. But even then, you're not brought up the same. There will still be small micro differences in the way that the children are raised because they'll express different patterns of behavior. So my point is that even though we've fought for this idea of equality, what started happening was that people started judging each other as being the same as other people. And they go, well, if they've got that, why don't I have that? If they're like that, well, why don't I have that? If they can do that, why don't I do that? And all it's done is it's made people subordinate their values to others. And so a lot of the time in an intimate relationship right now, someone says, well, I work hard and I earn money. Therefore, my partner should work hard and they should also earn money. But at the same time, they should also look after the family as much as I look after the family. And so now we've got this 50-50 split in relationships and very rarely does a relationship work on 50-50 because it's not looking at what brings out the greatness in the individual themselves. What we're doing now is we're splitting everything down the middle. When you do that in an intimate relationship, you're going to have a friend or a mate. When I talk about mates and you're overseas, I'm talking about a friend. I'm not talking about someone like a sexual mate or mating. From what I've seen, and this is my perception and my opinion, and based on the large sum of money that I've spent on research and studying the tens of thousands of people that I've worked with over the years, I have just found that splitting everything down the middle does not work in an intimate relationship because it assumes that you're both the same and you're both equal. And I don't think that is good or healthy for a relationship. Some people are amazing at running a family and some people are amazing at making money and running a business. Some people are amazing at communication, other people not so much. Some people are amazing at creating systems and structure and strategies and process and other people are not. Some people are way more creative. Therefore, when you have an intimate partner, that you're with and you can learn how to appreciate the gifts that they bring to the relationship and you don't see them as being an equal but you see them as being a gift and then the other person sees you as being a gift, you actually get to work with the best of each other in order providing you can communicate effectively to bring out the best in that relationship versus you work all the time, you don't give a shit about the family, you don't care and the other person says, fuck you, you spend all my money, I work so hard for this family and all I ever do is get given shit and I get home from work and you've spent half my fucking money on the kids and all this shit and all I'm doing is working to get us ahead and you keep putting us behind and the other person says, well, fuck you. I'm at home because I'm looking after the kids all day and you don't give a shit. You just walk and kick your shoes off at the front door and walk and sit and watch TV for half an hour and you don't even give a shit about me. You don't ask about my day. That relationship is toxic and I've seen it happen time and time and time and time again where you have two people who resent each other. They fucking hate each other and they'll stay together for the kids but that's also not effective because the kids learn that that's what an intimate relationship looks like. And for most children, they will learn and they'll do one of two things. They will replicate the same patterns of behavior as the parents, or they will go, you know what, I'm gonna do 180 degrees the opposite. And so if you have two parents that both fight and argue and are very strong and dominant and argue with each other, they will either turn out strong and dominant and argue with their partner all the time in their relationship, or they will do the complete opposite and end up submissive and a doormat and a trash can for their intimate partner. So they will either be narcissistic in the relationship or extremely altruistic in the relationship. Both of those two things, and I've spoken about this in a podcast before, altruism is essentially giving up your values in order to serve others. Narcissism is essentially overriding other people's values in order to serve your own. Now, in an intimate relationship, you'll have times of both. There is people out there who have narcissistic disorders and stuff like that. 
Our society overemphasizes this thing of narcissism and narcissists are bad. But the truth is that in order for a narcissist to exist or someone who exhibits heavy narcissistic tendencies in a relationship, they're normally with someone who is very altruistic. The altruistic person does everything for the individual and thinks that the other person's values are more of a priority than theirs. And so they get treated like a doormat in a trash can until eventually one day they just get fucked off and eventually they'll leave. But then normally what happens in society is that they blame and victimize and all that shit and then they become very narcissistic in their next relationship. Or they stay altruistic and they just keep doing the same thing and they just keep getting treated as a doormat. Both of those two patterns aren't effective for a good long-term relationship. It's about being a lot more balanced. There are times in our relationship, mine and Jess's, where I'm a bit more narcissistic and I'll say, hey, look, I've got all this shit on. Could you help me out with this? I need to do this, this, and this. And Jess will go, yeah. And so she's a bit more altruistic. There are times where Jess will do the same to me in return. That's a very balanced relationship from what I've seen. And so good relationships work on effective communication. And when the balance line is crossed too much, there'll be communication in order to bring the relationship back into balance. Now, no relationship and no individual is completely balanced. We sort of swing like a pendulum back and forward. But unfortunately, some people's pendulums swing really high one side and then really high the other side. And that's where you see these huge changes in people from one thing to another. So you might see someone who's extremely aggressive and angry, and then they become extremely passive because they feel guilty and ashamed, and then they get taken advantage of. And then again, they swing to the other side and they become really aggressive and really angry and abuse people and stuff like that. That's someone who has a massive emotional pendulum swing. For someone who's more balanced, their pendulum swings side to side, but not too far from the midline. So in your intimate relationship, if you wanna have a great relationship and a great family, my suggestion is to work on being a lot more balanced, that pendulum's gonna swing. But there are times where sometimes I'll feel like I'm doing everything around the house. And I'll just say to Jess, look, hey, I've been doing a lot around the house. I'm just wondering if you could give me a little bit more help over the next week, because I'm starting to feel a little bit resentful that I feel like I'm doing a lot. Now, sometimes she'll arc up and go, well, what about I'm doing all this stuff? And I go, you know, I understand you feel like that, but I'm just saying how I feel at the moment. And I would just appreciate a little bit more help. When she realizes that I'm not attacking her, Normally she'll go, okay, cool. And then she adjusts her behavior and over the next week or so, we both help each other. Very rarely does it ever stay that way. It'll sort of shift one way and shift the other way, but we just communicate more effectively about it. Anyway, I hope this helps Driven Mofos because it is a massive challenge for a lot of people who run businesses. In most cases, they normally have a partner that doesn't understand what it takes to be a business owner. They don't understand the pressures, the stress, the frustrations. They can normally feel unappreciated. When that happens, Eventually what will happen is the business owner will burn out or that person will self-destruct or that person will just give up on all their goals and their dreams and they'll become very passive. It doesn't work either way because what I've found in a relationship is that when two parties express their values heavily in the relationship and they're both appreciated, the relationship grows and they're fulfilled. And why would you go somewhere else or to somebody else when you're getting the best of the other person, you're getting the best out of yourself and you're getting optimum growth. Normally what will happen is a couple of things, if someone's consistently underappreciated in the relationship, they feel disrespected, they're gonna go looking elsewhere, okay? And eventually they'll leave. Or they'll get a divorce, or they'll just fuck off, they'll go enough's enough. They might not leave for somebody else, but they'll just leave in general because they go, this is bullshit. But sometimes if someone else comes along and they get better elsewhere, they will leave, okay? And that's because why would you go out and eat dinner when you get the best dinner at home? It normally happens because dinner at home is not as good. Not always the case. But my point is that in a relationship, you wanna be the best that you can be so that even if that person leaves, someone else is gonna have the best because you're doing the best with what you've got and you're consistently growing and a lot of people out there want that. So first of all, make sure you understand your values, understand your partner's values, appreciate each other, communicate effectively, make sure you're bringing the best of the relationship and help that person to be the best that they can be because you don't want someone in that relationship who's passive. If you have someone who's passive in the relationship, you won't appreciate them or respect them. I know Jess respects me because I'm driven, I push hard, I work hard, and I'm a good fucking tribal leader. That hits her brain as someone who's more feminine and goes, okay, I'm with someone who can lead, someone who's appreciated, who's respected in what they do, and that is attractive. So for a lot of people that are feminine out there, that's very attractive. On the other hand, I'm very passive and I just, you know, yes, honey, yes, honey, yes, honey. After a while, that person has no respect for the other person. I also know that for me, Jess is very driven. She's very focused. She's an amazing person to be around. And for that reason, I just think that she's absolutely incredible. But that took a lot of work. Like that's 13 years. I haven't always thought that way. I used to get really pissed off and frustrated because sometimes she would tell me that I work too much, that I don't care about the relationship. We would sometimes go out for dinner and I would talk about business and she goes, we don't talk about business at dinner. And I'm like, well, why? Well, because you don't talk about business at dinner. You don't talk about work at dinner. And I go, well, fucking why not? I spend 80% of my life working. Why would I not talk about that? You want me to 
not talk about 80% of what's important to me? What else would you like to talk about? Okay, the weather's good. I don't really watch a lot of sport. Like, okay, cool. I bought a new t-shirt like three years ago. Like, do you want to talk about that? And so what happened was we actually had to create a relationship that worked for us. Jess had to break that pattern because it didn't work in our relationship. There are some people out there who work nine to five jobs. They get home from work and they don't talk about work and they sit down and they talk about other shit, but that's because they have other shit going on in their life. For Jess and myself, she's the CEO of the company. I'm the director of the company. We spend the majority of our life working in the business, exercising, eating food, hanging out with people, running events, teaching, learning, and so on. So it's very, very hard to not talk about that stuff. So we had to create our own rules of what our relationship looked like instead of subordinating to Hollywood and society's values of what a relationship should look like. And because of that, once we started putting in our rules and how we operate, fine. Like we have a rule at nighttime. If we go to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, from then on, we don't talk about business because we used to go to bed and would start talking about business. And then the next second, we're up until 11.30, 12 o'clock at night talking about business. Then we wake up and we're tired. So we put that rule in place. But over dinner, we talk about business the whole time and other shit that we have going on as well, because that works for us. So you have to find out what works for you, your relationship, put those rules in place, because there are a lot of people who are listening to this podcast right now and thinking, fuck, my partner needs to hear this, or that you're listening to this with your partner and going, you know what, this is so true. We keep making all these rules based on a lot of other people and our friends and our family and how things should be, but it doesn't work for what we want in our life. And therefore we need to adapt and change those things. You know, there are a lot of people out there who get told they work too much and then they feel guilty about it. And so they reduce their amount of working hours, but it makes them feel shit. That's not effective. That doesn't work for you, your values, and what you're trying to achieve in life. You've got to do you. That's why I think that one of the greatest things that I teach at Thrive Time is you've got to know thyself and be thyself. And this has been around for thousands of years, this idea and this philosophy. But it's getting clear with who you are so that you can be the best that you can be. You don't need to learn how to be successful. You need to learn how to stop doing the shit that is making you unsuccessful. Because you're already successful, you're just carrying around a weight of a lot of people's other opinions and expectations and ideas and theories and philosophies that may not even work for them. But you're trying to implement that into your own life and it's fucking you up and stopping you from being the best you can be. And it's probably destroying your relationship, your friendships, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, all because of these unrealistic expectations. You've got to figure out how to live the life you want to live and a relationship is a great way to do so, providing you can navigate it effectively. I hope this conversation helps. I know we normally get a lot of people who message me after the podcast when I talk about relationships. I'm not saying I'm a relationship guru. I'm not a relationship expert. All I am is someone who understands human behavior at quite a high level. And also as well, I am a guinea pig for my own life because I used to fuck up a lot of my relationships back before I met Jess, because I used to live with these implanted values. I used to have all these crazy rules. I used to have all these stupid expectations. I couldn't control my emotions. My mind was all fucked up. Nothing seemed to work in relationships. And by meeting someone like Jess, who's completely my opposite, she's helped me to navigate life in a completely different way and keep me more balanced than how I used to be. Your partner is someone who normally has a lot of similarities, but also a lot of differences as well. Not only does it make the relationship safe, but it makes it also a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment as well. It gives a lot of enjoyment to learning this stuff. And, you know, I look at how far Jess and I have come in our relationship and we've grown a lot, but there's also a long way to grow as well. And I think that's the fun of human behavior is that we're always learning. There is 8 billion people to learn from. I hope that helps Driven Mofos. I hope you appreciate and enjoy this episode. And just for one person out there, I really hope for one person out there that you listen to this and maybe you even share it with your partner and your partner listens to this. And I hope that for just one person out there, it helps to save a relationship. I hope it helps to create greater appreciation in your relationship and maybe even appreciating yourself more as well for what you bring to that relationship. Have a great day, Driven Mofos. Keep pushing hard. I really do appreciate each and every one of you. And thanks for being part of this awesome community of Driven Mofos. Take care and keep crushing it. 